0: What is going on, beautiful people? And welcome back to another episode of Search for Consciousness. I have searched the lands for somebody intellectual, well researched, and ready to present. So I'm here with Gail Bately, founder and lead researcher of Bigfoot Researchers of the Hudson Valley. I may have mispronounced your name, so can you say (laughs) it for us? I'm trying to get it right, my sister.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's Gail Beatty, like Warren Beatty, the actor.
0: Yes, baby. It's, it's hard for, yes. my, for my brain to process that, my <laughs> sister, but I appreciate you. I know that you are the lead researcher for the Bigfoot researchers of Hudson Valley, which is huge.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, it's very large. Yeah.
0: So I wanted to just thank you for your time and willing to, uh, you know, be willing to speak to us. So, so thank you again.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: A hundred percent. And I wanted to break the ice with this question. Can you tell me about what you do and why it's important?
1: Well, um, I'm a researcher, a field researcher, which means that I go out into the forest looking for tracks, hair samples, scat, dens that the Bigfoot make, I also do residential investigations when people call up and have, uh, you know, sometimes the Bigfoot throw rocks at their house in the middle of the night or, you know, take attack animals or, you know, there's just a ton of things going on right now. And it's been the past 10 years since I started my research, but basically I have a group that goes with me and we go out into the woods and find evidence of these creatures as well as try to do... presentations in schools and I was doing one in a cafe for a few years once a month and then when the pandemic hit I couldn't you know we had to close the the uh the the group so um right now I'm doing a lot more podcasts and uh trying to educate the public that these creatures exist and they're in New York state as well as all over the world
0: so I agree that your work is tremendously important. And I actually personally learned about Bigfoot, you know, through legends, local legends, and then there's a show or a few shows finding Bigfoot. And Correct. When I respectfully was new to this, I said, "Uh oh, this, this doesn't make any sense." So and, and but these people had real stories. They had eyewitness testimony, they had scientifically proven things that, better yet, can't be disproved. And that's when I started to say, there has to be something here. All these people cannot be making up the same stories. So, Correct. So, Gail, I just want to thank you for your willingness to even speak about these things and, I guess, risk the disrespect that comes with it. So, yeah,
1: there's there's always going to be skeptical people which i was skeptical in the beginning too but i had uh, an incident when i was a teenager and it was up behind my house on stissing mountain in the town of pine plains and i was solo camping and i set up my tent my parents didn't know i went up there i got grounded And I was a rotten teenager, so I got mad, so I just grabbed my stuff, and I was going up on the mountain to spend the night by myself. Well, that turned out to be a life-changing evening. Um, It started to get dark, and I heard this loudest owl but it wasn't like a normal owl hooting. It was this weird sound, and it was really loud and right above me in the tree. So I was startled, but I said, oh, it's just an owl, you know, it's nothing to worry about. And a few seconds later came the most god-awful, loudest, unearthly scream-yell howl that like started low and then just went higher and it vibrated my chest Mm. and I was, I just felt the blood drain out. I, I was shaking. I was just in shock basically. And this thing just went on and I, I was so scared. I was saying, what, could this be, could it be a bear or a mountain lion or, you know, there's no animal in the forest that makes that kind of noise and that volume. And so I said, if I don't get out of here, it's going to kill me, whatever it is, you know. And at that point in my life, I had never heard of Bigfoot. It was back in the late sixties, I believe, maybe 68 or 69. So I just flew out of the tent went down this steep ravine and ran into our house. And my parents were sitting in the living room watching TV. And they looked at me and they're like, where were you? What's the matter? You know, and I was hysterical, crying. I said, there's something up on the mountain and it's after me. And they said, well, that's what you get for, you know, being a brat and going up there and you shouldn't go there by yourself. So that encounter stuck with me. For many years and I grew up um, in a rural community I'm originally from Tuckahoe New York and we moved upstate when I was I believe 13 so I was uh, fishing um, because we lived on a lake I was uh, hunting tracking I was kind of a tomboy hanging out with my cousins and my brother so we were always in the woods and never feared anything, never had even seen a bear or anything. So when I, I was flash forward to 2000, I think 2011, I had that show Finding Bigfoot on TV. And I was in the kitchen doing the dishes and I hear them play the howling of this you know, Bigfoot on television. And I just stopped dead in my tracks. And I'm like, oh my God, that is what I heard that night on the mountain. So I immediately went to my computer and Googled Bigfoot sightings in Dutchess County, New York. And the first sighting that came up was on the road where I lived, Lake mm. Road in Pine Plains, and seen by two women crossing the road right in front of their car. Hmm. So that was like, okay, I have to find out more. And that's when I started um, contacting friends uh, that had farms locally and finding, you know, as many people as I could that were interested in the topic and interested in sharing their stories. And they started coming forward, Uh, some of them like in the 50s, had encounters and swore to each other they would never tell. And they actually, um, the one man was, took it to his grave. And it wasn't until the mother of this woman was on her deathbed that she finally told her daughter that, yeah, your dad and I were driving to uh, go bowling and we saw one of these creatures back in, I think it was 54 in the town where i grew up and um the daughter felt compelled to tell me about it because i mean people back then especially in the 50s they would you know really were were more afraid of ridicule now people are coming forward more and more
0: so i appreciate you sharing that because it does have this air of i'm scared to admit the truth but the more I objectively listen to people without labeling them, keyword, without labeling people. I've grown to understand how real these stories are to them, how intimate they, intimately they're like interwoven into their character and who they become. And, And honestly, I'm still amazed because a lot of the people that I've listened to now, including you are people that know the area. These aren't just people that showed up one day and just made up a story. There's people that can identify landmarks, rocks. So, you know, when you say that it just reinstates that there is something there. So, so definitely thank you for that.
1: You're welcome.
0: My next question to you is and forgive my novice my novelty. I'm still learning, but well, okay. I wanted to know is it true that only some people can see Bigfoot? Like what is what is your idea of that?
1: Well, there's probably a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, you're crazy." But I do believe that uh, Bigfoot is an interdimensional being. Uh the Native Americans believe that they had yes, um they're very much into Native American um but the Native Americans believed they were walkers between worlds. I, when I first started researching, I was a novice. So I thought I was looking for some big hairy hominid in the woods. And even though I found tracks and hair and scat, I never would see them, but we would hear them like bluff charging us, or we would be out on an investigation and a stick would be thrown or a rock or a pine cone, and you would look around in the area where it came from and not see anything. So um, I do believe that they have abilities to cloak themselves. Like they can blend into their environment of the trees, the bushes, a wood pile, anything. You could be within a few feet of them and not see them with the naked eye not even smell them unless they give off the scent when they're when they get um, angry or or, um, maybe you you spooked one or something I have smelled that horrible odor but 95 to 99% of the time when we're out there we don't see smell hear anything unless they would knock or whistle or something but they can be right there and the HD cameras Mm -hmm. pick them up So we actually use camera glasses made by Coleman, the ones that make the camping equipment. They have a little SD card. And so when we do our investigations, we will wear them. And then we'll also bring like a handy cam and film the whole time. And then when we get back to our computers, we put our chips in and we go frame by frame. And when we see something dark on the screen, you know, that looks out of place, we freeze frame it, take my iPhone or the iPad and take a still shot and just enhance it and maybe mess with the color a little. And there they are. So they were like within feet of us so many times. So once I found that out and then a few other incidents happened that confirmed what I believed, you know, after a few, not maybe a few months after I started researching and figured out how they just are there and we can't see them, but the cameras pick them up. I know it's hard to imagine, but there's, they have abilities that we don't understand yet.
0: So not only do I agree with you, I think I have I don't want to say evidence, but I would like to tell you this, that be- besides you and I deciding to agree on this conversation, there was a young man that I'm truly moved by, a 17-year-old kid, uh, one of the students of the schools that I work for, and he messaged me on my Instagram, and he said, you know, I want you to get in contact with these people. They are like the most legit group I've ever met of researchers. They're not these random people. They're researchers, and... So I said, OK, Josh, his name is Josh. And I said, I appreciate you. I'll reach out. But what's interesting is I've also taught him meditation. And the reason I'm asking you these questions is because according to Josh, not me, which is a first-hand witness of these beings, he would show me pictures and they started off blurry. And he would say, I want you to look at the trees. And at first I would say, listen, kid, I don't see anything until I kind of trained my eyes. So correct me if I'm wrong, but basically what you end up seeing is like, I would say pixelated shapes of either black or brown or gray. Mm-hmm. And according to Josh, the more spiritual you become, the more likely you are to see them.
1: Correct. I believe that they actually choose people that are on maybe a higher Level spiritually to show themselves to and to be around. That's why if we're talking about the same Josh, I love him. And he yeah, he is getting really um, I've taught him some things and I've edited some of his pictures and he'll just say, Gail, you know, this is out my bedroom window. I took this photograph and I will do my work however i I explained how i do it or if it's a still picture i just study it you know make it bigger on the screen um, maybe enhance the colors or crop it and there they are Mm -hmm. there's a face looking so i think that they do choose people though to show themselves to yes definitely
0: and it's interesting because if you're not I'll go back to it. Objective. Right. If you if you're going to come in with a preconceived idea or notion, you may never access these things. And spirituality, I don't want to keep bringing it back to that. But consciousness. Right. This is the search for consciousness. I also agree that Bigfoot have their own consciousness. And why would they reveal themselves to someone that's willing to hurt them or or capture them on film for some type of fame? I don't think that's what you're after.
1: No. All I wanted was for my own personal knowledge, you know, after that scary encounter as a kid and then, you know, years later being bombarded on television and YouTube with other people that have said, well, I've, I had this happen to me and I had that. And then to find out so many people in the Hudson Valley have called me i've had calls at 4 a.m um i've had calls like all different times with um you know sometimes scary things other times just oh they're just knocking on your house or you know it's scary of course these things can be 8 to 12 feet tall and weigh a thousand pounds and to first of all your mind you have to wrap your mind around the fact that they exist number one and that they're Here in New York State, two hours north of Manhattan, um, you know, people have a hard time, like, having an open mind. But once you accept them and respect them, and this is where the Native American comes in, because I must have been a Native American in another life, because from the time I was a child, I was very sympathetic towards the native people and everything. So what I do is I take sage with me when we go on an investigation and we smudge and pray, and I make sure I smudge everyone in the group, pray, ask permission to enter the forest, and just be respectful. And all the times that I've been out, which is hundreds They have never harmed me. They have, you know, been a little aggressive to some team members of mine on a couple of different occasions, but certainly, you know, they never like attacked them or anything. They might've like thrown something or, you know, banged on the tree to get us away from maybe a young one that they had, but um, must respect them because it's just like someone walking into your living room unannounced. The forest is their home and that's where they feel safe and they they have young because we found um like 16 inch tracks of the parent and then a seven foot track next to it so they have family units and so respect and keeping an open mind is very important in this field
0: 100 percent, and definitely thank you for that so I, I'm so happy you brought up the Native Americans because I've, once again, am, at my novice level, I've been exposed to this material and it's not out there. It makes perfect sense to me. Like if you're a higher vibrational being, they already feel that you're not going to hurt them, almost like any animal. If you speak to, right. not that you speak to, but if you play with cats and you play with dogs, they'll come up to you when they feel comfortable. And that's kind of yes. the same way that I see it. So. Yes. Please enlighten me. My next question is, is there a difference between Bigfoot, Yeti, the abdominal or abominable snowman?
1: Oh man. I think they're basically the same creatures, but just like we have different nationalities of people. Maybe the um, like the skunk apes in Florida, they say, are smaller than The classic Bigfoot that's, say, in the Pacific Northwest or here in New York. um, I think they're all basically the same uh, creatures, but depending on where they live, the Yeti is more known to be seen as white ones. So, yeah, I just think that would blend in more with the snow up in the Himalayas or something like that. But I think basically they're the same creatures, same DNA, which is another thing that uh, mainstream science is, uh, there's one scientist, Dr. Maria Mayer, that's on the new show, it's pretty new, called Expedition Bigfoot. And so she's a primatologist and she's been researching with uh, Russell Acord and another fella, and that's on I think discovery or the travel channel but uh most of the scientists are ignoring this mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because the government um doesn't want people to you know have too much knowledge or you know why they wouldn't like admit to the general public that these things do exist and you know we need to protect them or you know whatever but I know the government knows about it and they just don't want to disclose it just like with the UFOs and the aliens now all of a sudden we're getting bombarded with disclosure footage and you know but I don't know I hope with the Bigfoot will come disclosure as well
0: you know and I also it's funny you said the silence of the government because Mm -hmm. my um I don't even know what to call him, my guru, my associate at the time. We had a conversation earlier today, and what he said to me was, the government is not giving you information. They're finding it difficult to continue to hide information. So I think that kind of going back to the ancients, right, the Mayas, they predicted the time of the end of the world, right, in 2012. But I think what they meant was the end of the world of illusion right so all these new findings are new to us but these people Uh have been living with them for years so even when i heard about the native americans and you know i read that or i don't even know at this point if i read it or or saw it on video but they were saying like certain groups or leaders of native american communities have permission Uh to access these realms and i find Uh it interesting that you ask for permission because you come in so respectful, and maybe that's why you're yeah. able to to access that. So, yes. earlier in our conversation, you also mentioned that you were on MTV, so congratulations, that's a huge Thank deal. Thank
1: you, yep, a new podcast called Spooked, and I probably won't be on till the end of August, but we just did the audio yesterday, so we have a little tweaking to do, I had some technical difficulty, but... Um, Tiffany was great and very patient with me, helping me try to set up stuff, but yeah, it's exciting.
0: No, it's very exciting. I wanted to congratulate you. I wanted to thank you. And if you had a few more minutes, I wanted to ask you a few more questions, if that's okay with sure. you. So okay. no, you've been great. You've taught me a lot. I'm actually really excited to uh, listen to the audio and just kind of learn from it. Um, I wanted to segue And my next question, because you've covered a lot about the shape-shifting, I wanted to know if you can elaborate on why you believe they shape-shift. And then I wanted to know if you could just talk about a little bit of the proof that you and your team have gathered.
1: Okay, well, shape-shifting, I don't know about that exactly. Um, How they come into this realm from what we have seen and filmed in our videos is in a dark mist hmm. and then like it it'll, it'll, must be a group of them together and if you like go through your computer in almost nanoseconds my computer goes second by second but my friend had a laptop that you could in a split second you could see their faces and their shapes forming as you're you know, taking still pictures off the video, but um I'll tell you quickly about um, this incident that happened to us in 2013 on December 30th. We, I had been investigating this man's house that was having all kinds of activity. He had a couple of sightings on his property, you know, actual sightings uh, when they were in the physical realm, and he had all kinds of incidents, them looking in the window, scratching the screens, um, throwing rocks, leaving gifts for him of deer skulls, dead, you know, all kinds of things. So I was putting some of the evidence that I was getting on my Facebook page. And I got contacted by a couple of guys from Massachusetts that were also researchers and so they had a one a camera called a FLIR which is a very expensive night vision camera it's like six thousand dollars but we didn't have one so they said would you like us to come out and we could do a night investigation so i spoke to the homeowner and he agreed so these two gentlemen came and they came and it was still light out so i walked him around the property and during the daylight hours. Then we went in to have a bite to eat. While we're sitting at the table, uh, another gentleman and myself were facing the man's porch and the, the windows, and we saw this big light-colored creature pass by the window. And he said, did you see that? I said, yes. And so we said, okay, let's hurry up and get outside you know, to do our investigation. So the guys are gearing up, and they're strapping their cam, the trail cams on their chest, and they've got, you know, headlamps, and it was freezing cold that night. So I said, okay, I'm ready. So I stepped out on his porch, and I lit a cigarette, and as soon as I did that, crash smack, they knocked a huge tree down, and it went splash into the creek. So I open the door I said hurry up guys you know they're out there they're throwing down trees so the guys come out for them and we start walking down towards the creek and a feeding station that on a rickety fence that the guy had that he used to feed them every night which I told him that wasn't a good idea but he wanted to make friends with them and lure them out especially for that night when we had the fleer so the uh the cameraman with the FLIR was down to the right, and these things went nuts, and they broke down trees that had to be twenty four twenty eight inches in diameter, live trees, but it was in December, it was freezing cold, just breaking them like crazy. so the cameraman was started taking a video and he said, "Contact, contact so, he, so he's got four of them on. The FLIR camera, so he's like, get over here, you know. So he's passing the camera around, and so each one of us could look and see these creatures in the heat signature and their silhouette. You know, you couldn't, you know, make out any facial details or anything. But um, he hands it to me, and I was I'm a lefty, and when he handed it to me, I accidentally turned it off. But he got video. I, I guess a few minutes of video from that night, and there was also a smaller creature um, that we picked up that was like crawling on the ground really fast on the bottom of the video. And um, I was speaking to this man, Dave, who was there that night, and he was one of the fellows from Massachusetts, and he said that when he looked through the camera, he saw this small creature that was like peeking, he could see the head and the shoulder, And he said, Gail, it was only like four foot tall. And he said, the first thing he thought of was, am I looking at an alien? And then, you know, then whatever happened with the camera. And then I said to the guys, we better get back to the house because, oh, I know what happened. The guy that was holding the fleer got hit with something called infrasound, which I don't know if people are aware of that the Sasquatch have the ability to give out this low volume frequency vibration and it hits you and you get dizzy, disoriented. Um, You just get nauseous, headache. So they hit the guy, the cameraman with that infrasound. And I was standing right next to him and I was like holding his arm. And I'm like, guys, we got to get out of here. They're pissed. So we start. I'm holding the cameraman's arm, and he's, like, you know, wrenching and, you know, almost throwing up. And I'm trying to get him up to the house. The homeowner and the other man, Dave, and his friend, John, I don't know where he was at this stage, but they saw this blue light lit up the sky, and then everything went dead silent. Hmm. And all of us were, like, freaked out because that proved to me that definitely they are not of this earth you know like nothing after that all of it changed our lives it totally you know told me yeah they're they're from either you know uh, up in the sky i don't know where they're from but they are not a hundred percent from this planet or earth or whatever you want to call it it was scary
0: wow Yeah. yeah That was incredible, and, and these are the kind of things I try to explain to people. You need to listen to firsthand accounts. You will never; mm-hmm. these things can't be made up. Like, mm-hmm. like even just listening to you, the fear. Like I wish people could see your eyes, the expression. Yeah. The, but yeah, um,
1: it was cha- life changing for everyone.
0: Infrasound. Like we will
1: never forget it. Yeah, if you look up infrasound, I've had other team members get hit. Uh, During investigations, um, my friend who is a Native American shaman came out with us to do a residential investigation across the river in Saugerties, New York, where this family had bought this house that was on the market for a couple of years. And they had young children and teenagers and got a really good deal on the property. And it was part of an old farm property for over a hundred years and then they must have subdivided it. And uh, she called me and she said she was in bed one night shortly after they moved in summertime, the window, you know, was open and the screen was there and she was woken up by this stench of like dead rotting meat and uh, you know, just a horrible, horrible odor. So then she heard a tree branch like crack and she's waking up her husband saying, you know, Eric, wake up, you know, what's going on? And he's a big guy, you know, groggy. And they looked around outside, didn't see anything, nothing, you know. Then he had to go away on a business trip and he had to leave her home with the kids. And I think, they started throwing rocks at the house mill the middle of the night. Whenever her husband would leave on business, they would, you know, take advantage because they knew it was a young mother home alone. Um, other things happened where uh, she was out in the yard with the two little ones, the littlest babies. And uh, all of a sudden this ah, scream, you know, god awful scream. She grabbed the two babies, ran up into the house called me we went out there and so we kind of split up usually we all stay together as a group within you know a certain amount of feet but this is only seven acres of property and it borders the New York State Thruway so you think why would Bigfoot be here but there's a golf course a pond and plenty of woods around so anyway uh this friend of mine, Wahaba, the spiritual woman, was went to a different area investigating and climbed up this hill and she found a nest which they make in the woods, sometimes like a teepee structure, not always, sometimes a den type nest where they put branches and stuff. And she was walking around there and she got shoved from behind and went right down on her face and never saw anything, never heard anything walking up behind her, never smelled anything. It was like, okay, but we did find tracks. We found the nest and I'm gonna send you some pictures so that you can see what I'm talking about, how they are cloaked. And I got a picture of a reddish colored Bigfoot on that property down below by the throughway. And it was like hovering in a bush within 10 feet of me. And I was looking right at the bush. I'm filming, waiting for my friend to come with the casting material. Get home, put the chip in and said, whoa. So I will send you that picture. That is a really good picture. I have a lot of good pictures, really.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot about you, my sister. I really have. So if it is the same Josh, I'll shake his hand. I'll thank him when I see him. Gail, you've been incredible. Thank you. Before we wrap this episode up, I would like to know if you could tell us where to find you. I know you're on YouTube and I think you have a book. So maybe you can tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I have a book called A Young Researcher's Guide to Bigfoot. And it's not scary at all. So, you know, and it's good for adults, too, because it tells you you know, different things about the, the Sasquatch people because I shouldn't call them creatures because they actually have language and intelligence and um, other things that, you know, we're still finding out. But, um, yeah, I'm on Facebook under Bigfoot Researchers of the Hudson Valley and then on YouTube as Hudson Valley Squatch One.
0: Amen. Yes. You are a gold mine of information. I am lucky to have connected with you. Just please... I am
1: happy. I love your show. I'm going to be turning a lot of people onto you with the uh, Facebook page and my other pages. Yes.
0: It's an honor and... to connect with you and and any any support would be truly honored. Thank you again. I think I'm going to wrap this episode up, but I can definitely get okay. you on again for round two. So Sure. You've been great, my sister. Let me just thank Ooh. you from Brooklyn. and and definitely thank you for being on my brothers and sisters episodes drop every sunday at 4 p.m eastern time if you would like to donate to either of our organizations please reach out to gail directly or the mindful wizard on anchor.fm mindful wizard we love you we appreciate you and let us continue to search for consciousness thank you and amen
1: thank you